issue a little bit further. Some of the most generous people in the world would never consider themselves spiritual people. Um, the things I'm going to share with you today are, are about generosity, and they apply to all of us, whether you follow Christ or not. So I want to welcome you today and just ask that you open up your heart and mind to this, and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word that says it's free. I want to thank you that that word comes into our hearts through our ears. Pray that it would come into our hearts through our ears right now in Jesus' name. I just want to thank you, God, for the transformation that your word brings because your word is seed from heaven that's powerful to change our lives, to transform all about us, spirit, soul, and body. Thank you, God, for you being in our lives in Jesus' name. I want to start today with an article that I read in the Huffington Post by B.J. Gallinger. And he said, several years ago, I was having a difficult time financially. Business was slow and I had some big medical bills and I had not been as careful with my money as I needed to be. It was November and I didn't know how I was gonna make it through the end of the year. So I called my friend, Anna, to ask her advice, and she had a good head for money. I cheerfully explained my predicament. She listened quietly. She was kind and sympathetic, completely understanding, and didn't judge or scold me. And then she asked, do you want my advice? After I finished telling her my sad story, and I said, well, sure, I replied. That's why I called you. She said, very simply, tithe. I couldn't believe my ears. You don't understand, I objected. I just told you that I don't have any money coming in, and I've got all these bills piled up, and I don't know how I'm going to meet the mortgage next month. I can't tithe. I have nothing to tithe with. Well, you asked my advice, and I'm going to give it to you, she said matter-of-factly. All I have to share with you is my own experience. If you start to tithe, you shift your relationship with God. It is an act of faith in which you essentially say, I know I'll be taken care of. So I can give this money back to God. It works for me and it works for a whole lot of other people I know too. I knew in my heart of hearts that Anna was right. Tithing was something that I wanted to do for a long time, but I was afraid. Afraid I would not have enough money to meet my needs. Afraid to give away 10% of my income. Afraid of financial insecurity. I had heard other people talk about tithing in the past. And being a spiritual person, I liked the idea, but my fear always got the better of me. And here's what I suggest, Anna continued. Why don't you call Naomi and ask her what her experience has been with tithing? And call Steve, too, and see what he has to say. Then decide if it's right for you. I thank Anna for her advice and immediately dialed Naomi's number. She was more than happy to tell me about her experience with tithing. She had been in a similar financial straits a few years earlier, and Anna had given her the same advice that she had given me. Reluctantly, Naomi agreed to do it. She started by tithing up to uh, tithing to a 12-step community of which she was a member, because Anna had instructed her to give to the spiritual community that nurtures you. Naomi took the check to the office of the 12-step program every time that she got paid. She was self-employed in a real estate business. The first time I tied, she said, I sold a $400,000 house the very next week, and I made a great commission, and I'm sure it was a direct result somehow of my tithing. After a while, Anna suggested that Naomi start tithing to her local synagogue. 
since she had been born and raised Jewish. I'm not going to do that, Naomi protested. I lost my faith years ago, and I'm not going to give them any money. Anna nudged Naomi, just try it. Do it a few times, see what happens. So the next time Naomi got paid, she drove it to the synagogue and gave, it to, and gave them a check. Before long, the rabbi invited her to come to a special event in the synagogue. She went, she met a few people she liked, and she started going to more events. Her heart began to soften towards the Jewish faith that she had rejected. And over time, gradually, felt more and more a part, felt more and more a part of the community. Finally, Naomi began, became an official member of the temple. About this time, her young nephew turned 13, and it was time for him to have his bar mitzvah. And she knew that her sister didn't have much money, so Naomi offered to pay for the bar mitzvah. And Naomi had been estranged from her sister. But she loved her nephew very much, and she wanted to do this for him. Over the months of planning the ceremony and the party, Naomi and her sister gradually worked through their differences and were reconciled. The bar mitzvah was a wonderful day for the whole family. In short, Naomi's commitment to this 10% of whatever she earned transformed her life. Tithing did more than, than put her on sound financial ground. It brought her back to her Jewish faith. It strengthened the bond between her and her nephew, and it reunited her with her sister. She is living a life of miracles. If I had any doubt about the efficacy of tithing, it disappeared in listening to Naomi's story. Tithing means acknowledging that no matter how little one has, there is always other people who are worse off. Tithing means saying to God, I trust that you will provide for me, and I am willing to give back 10% to do your work in the world. Tithing, li <coughs> excuse me. Tithing lifts the burden of fear from my heart and replaces it with trust. Tithing is a spiritual, to a spiritual organization that gives me spiritual sustenance is the best way of saying thanks for all that I've received. I once heard Jack Canfield, co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, talk about tithing and its role in his life. He said, both my co-author and I have been tithing for many years, and we think it's an important part of our business success. But I have to tell you, it was a lot easier to write those checks when they were smaller. It's kind of hard these days to write tithing checks for $100,000 or more. I laughed when I heard that. Now there's a problem I would like to have. I've been tithing for several years now, ever since the phone conversations I had with Anna and Naomi. I don't sell real estate. I don't have... I, I haven't had the success of chicken soup authors, but my fan, finances have stabilized somewhat, and the peace of mind that I feel is priceless. Tithing shifted my relationship to God from one of a fearful child pleading for God's protection to one of a willing partner with God in doing His work in the world. Most important, tithing gives me freedom. <coughs> From want and freedom from fear. I wanted to take the time to read that because I thought it was so excellent. We're going to go through some passages of scripture, a little bit of review, and then we'll get into some areas that I just want you to kind of hold your hat on and let's let's think about this deeply today. Here's the first scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God's not against you producing wealth. He just doesn't want wealth to have your heart. Right? Okay, so remember that the ability to produce wealth comes from God Himself. He's the creator and He can work through you to create 
opportunities for building wealth for your family and to bless other people, especially organizations that help you and help other people. Let's go to the next one, if you would. Joshua chapter 1, be careful to do everything written in this book of the law. This is the Old Testament. So then you'll be prosperous and successful. So as you prosper, continue to remember that it's God helping you. And the more that you meditate in Scripture, the more it changes the way that you think. And you'll be able to see opportunities in your world that you didn't see before. So think about that too. That's important. Let's go to the next one. Going through these pretty quickly here just to begin with. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, we could say, this is Old Testament, so we could say the Word of God or, or the New Testament as well. Anything that God is communicating to us, we can say that that is something that we can delight in. It says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates in His law day and night. This isn't necessarily Eastern meditation. This is, this is Hebrew meditation where you take a scripture and you break it down just a little portion of that scripture and you run it through your mind, you think about it and you, you uh, literally it means that you regurgitate it's, it's talking about chewing the cud like a cow does but it collects all the grasses in its four stomachs and, and it's great and then you, and it goes to the shade and it begins to regurgitate that up and chew it up and, and that's meditation, that's the word, what the word meditate means so when you come here hopefully you'll get a good sized chunk of of word, truth, to meditate, take it through the week and think about it. That's why make those outlines. So you take them home and say, what was that scripture? You know, and you take them home, oh, there it is, and, and meditate on it. Uh, this is just to get us started during the week, right? It's not the end. We don't drop our spirituality when we go to work and go wherever we go on Monday. We take it with us. So our delight is in the law. It, it becomes like eating. It's like you know you're missing something if you haven't, haven't delighted in God's Word for that day, every day. All right, let's go to the next one. First Timothy, we're jumping into the New Testament now. It says, People of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth, who think that now he's going to describe those who have been robbed of truth, and they think this, that godliness is a means of financial gain. In other words, they're only in this because they're trying to make money, and that's wrong. All right? And we've all seen that. We're not a part of that. We don't want to be a part of that. And when we see that, we need to call it out for what it is. It's wrong. But he says this. He goes on to say it's not all. In verse 6, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. There is great gain in godliness. And we talked a lot about contentment and the importance of being content in whatever state that you're in or whatever circumstances that you find yourself, finding the contentment that God gives us. Let's go to the next one. In verse 17, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world. A lot of us are really, I've been to a couple other countries, and I tell you what, just about any American is rich. You know, we're really blessed as a country. This is the 4th of July week. Uh, talking to Jimmy before, I don't know which weekend it's supposed to be 4th of July. Wednesday, you know. But, as we celebrate this 4th of July, just remember the reason that we're, we get to enjoy all this is because of God's blessing. It's really no other. We, we don't really deserve all of this. I mean, there's some things that we've done right that we follow God as a country, as a nation of people, but, but it's just been God's mercy on this land, right? And I believe His mercy in His hand still on this land. Notice what He says this is. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. That's the instruction that we have to pay close attention to. Because once you start to have a little bit of success, the first thing that happens is you are you're battling pride. Because you think you're so smart that you created all this. Remember, it's God. It's God that's blessed you. And whatever success that you've been been able to enjoy, it's been God. I know that a lot of you work so hard. And, and, and I see you work, and you probably see me work, and work really hard. But that's because God has given us the energy. God has given us the brains. God has given us the, the desire and the vision to follow. God's done all that. So we don't want pride slipping in our heart to think that we're doing any of it. This is God's help and God's spirit helping us. So watch the arrogance and, and to put your hope in wealth. Don't 
let pride slip you into putting hope in wealth. Because how many of you have had a few thousand dollars, maybe a few hundred, or even ten dollars come in and slips away that fast? As Proverbs says it has wings sometimes. I wish I could cut those wings sometimes, and there's ways to do that. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Notice it is God that richly provides for us. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God that He richly provides for us. He said, well, I wish He'd richly provide more. Well, be thankful and be content for what He's blessed you with right now. And He'll add to that. Let's go to another one. Verse 18 says, command those, command them, these are the, those who are rich, to be good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. See, it's not against God's will for you to be wealthy or to create wealth or, or whatever you It's your choice. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that, but it's your choice. It's, God's instruction to us is to stay humble, not be prideful, not be arrogant, and then be generous and willing to share. So think about ahead of time, on the top side of that money coming in, where are you going to give? I started thinking this way a long time ago with my wife. Diane and I sat down together and said, we're going to start deciding what we're going to give before it ever even comes into our hands. And we start doing that, and man, it just changes the way that you think. Instead of thinking that before we go one, I still want that, but I think about where to give first. All right? So those are some uh, good things to remember. Uh, let's look at is there another passage that I have right here? Let's put the next one. Philippians chapter 4. I love this passage. It says, I'm not saying this. This is written by Paul who wrote the lines portion of the New Testament. He says in Philippians chapter 4, I am not saying this because I'm in need for I've learned to be content. Let's talk just another minute for about contentment. Contentment is something that can be elusive can't get away from us because we constantly think about what we want or what we want to do or what, all those kinds of things instead of being happy where we are. But Paul says, I learned to be content. It's interesting that he wrote this from imprisonment. And he says, I have learned to be content. Contentment is learned. And you learn it when you're not content. And that's the that's the oxymoron about this. It's so difficult in our situations. The, 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 the way I learn contentment is when I'm not content. And the only way I can learn to be content is to go to God for my needs. And to go to God for Him to talk to me, to comfort me, to provide for me. And then I find out that I don't have to have all these things I want to have to be content. Because God gives me that contentment. It really is okay where I am. And give yourself permission to be content where you are. Because this world pressures you and tries to conform you into its image. And it tries to tell you what you don't have or what you can't do. Just be content. doesn't mean that you're totally satisfied and that you don't want more to experience more meaning of that. He just said, you know, I'm okay right now where I am. And there's a great deal of peace that comes with contempt. And that's what we need. And here's the reason that we need to be content. Because we will make foolish decisions financially. Sometimes even taking us into legal problems if we don't stay content. We want to make the best, wise decisions with what God has given us. And that comes through this contentment that He provides. It's a whole different world. Let's go to the next Philippians chapter 4, a couple verses later. It says, I know what it is to be in need and know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret. Everybody say secret. Secret. I've learned the secret of being content. That in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in what, I can do this. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. You know, that passage. That we, we talk about that one a lot. We don't always quote the whole context of it. 
And I can do all thanks to Christ who gives me strength. And I love that verse. I wake up saying that verse every morning, along with several others that just automatically I've memorized them if they're in my heart and listen. I don't want the negativity of this world to hit my head, my heart and my mind early in the morning so I make sure these things are coming out of my mouth and that's one of them. But this is all about being content. It's all about I can be content no matter what. No matter what, I can be content. Let's go to the next This is not scripture, this is just a saying, a, a truth. If I can't be content now without it, I won't be content then when I have it. Let that sink in a little bit. I've seen this with marriages. Um, that, you know, I'm just not, I, I, I'm, I'm just never going to be happy to have a woman. Never going to be happy to have a man. And they get that woman or they get that man and they're just unhappy. Why is that? Because you got to learn contempt first. Learn contempt when you're single. That's why Paul encourages those that are single. Use this time because this is for your devotion to God. You can grow in ways that maybe you wouldn't grow in other ways if you were married. And we all go through times of, you know, you can be married and you can be single because you're married. <laughs> Or he's, he's ticked off, or he's, you know, he's all into his job. So you're single, right? You're married, but you're, you're living a single life because he's so consumed with work. Or she's so consumed with her work. And so you live this single life. We all go through times of singleness. And where do we get our contentment? These come from God. Because that person, that spouse, no group of people can ever be your sole means of contentment. It only comes from so are we talking about finances? Are we talking about, yeah, because we talked about this last time that there are over 2,000 verses on, on, uh, on finances. And there's only 500 on prayer. And how many of you understand that prayer is important to God? And the teachings in the Word of God, it's a high priority. But considering just numerically how much more there is on finances. And Jesus says, where your heart is, there's your treasure. Then it's extremely important for us to dive into this from time to time. And I don't exhaust you on it, but there's times that we need to hit this, just check ourselves. And even I got a text this last week that said, thank you for that because it, it reminded me what I needed to check on. Uh, so if you've been in this a while, then let it be a check to see how you're doing Okay, so let's go to 1 Timothy again. It says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and attracted to many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. You could, I could probably, don't, but I could probably ask for a call of hands of people that you've known that have done this. And there would be a lot of hands that go up. Uh, let's not let that be us. And if there's people that we love and care about, let's let our mornings fire the way that we live. Let's go to the next one. For the love of money, notice that it's not money, it's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I think it bears repetition that there's one who is pierced for us to meet all of our needs. Let's not pierce ourselves when he's already been pierced to meet all of your needs. God's so good. He gave you Jesus Christ. And with Him, we can be content. God's good, isn't He? Let's go on. Okay, let's get into some of these hacks. The first one is learn to be content. That's what we've been talking about. The second one is decide to live below your means. And we'll get into this just a little bit. It, it's, a, it's, it's common sense to live beyond or, or to, to live below our means. It's, it's uh, it's not good to live beyond your means. And finances is always fluctuating with our lives. And so sometimes we make mistakes. If you make a mistake, correct it and, and, and make a better decision. So the, decide to live below your means. It's very simple. It's a hack. It's, it's something that you can apply immediately. It'll help you life. It, 
just to have that in your mind that I always live below my means. And it's a tough one because it has everything to do with our level of personal insecurities. When somebody else is driving something better, when somebody else is living in something bigger, then you're, it just hits you and you think, man, I need to make a decision. I need to do something to get something better. No, you don't. Not necessarily. Decide to say, right? Dave Ramsey, one of my heroes, um, he says this, live like no one else so that you can live like no one else. In other words, don't live for an image. Right? Isn't that good? Don't live for an image. Be willing to drive that conquer. Who cares? Really? I mean, money's so easy, credit's so easy, you can go get a better one like that. Right? But why? Think about it. Is it just for your own ego? Just consider some of these thoughts. I'm not telling you what to do. I you know that. I'm just asking you to consider some of these things. I want your life blessed. And I know that when you throw yourself into debt, or if I throw myself into debt, then I am not going to understand the best way that God has for me. I've lived this for a long, long time. And I hope you take that as coming from somebody that has not overextended himself. We've never done that. Um, and we haven't led the church that way either. In fact, I just say this, that we, we, had, we conducted services in that box down the street. <coughs> I was very thankful at the time for what God provided for us. But I was always looking forward to the day that we'd have something better. And we only had two children's church rooms. And we made it work. We did. We, man, I learned creativity over there. We all did. We had to. And we came up to things that we just could not figure out. We prayed. We asked God for better. But we did that for 26 years. But the whole time we were saving money. And we were taking, we were receiving special offerings and putting away. By the time we moved, we had $150,000 that we had saved. And it made this move so much easier. So it's not something I'm just saying, this is a good idea. This is something that we've lived for almost 30 years. And in our private life, we've lived this way all, all the time. Uh, you know, other families had a lot larger homes and stuff like that. And we were like sardines in our so We were a close family. <laughs> just reframe it, you know. Here's something to consider. If you live, could you put this up there? If you live at your means or below, there are three things that you'll never be able to do. Number one, you cannot actually deal with a financial crisis because you, you're already at even or, or, or above. If you, you know, or below. Oh, I should have said, I, I said that wrong. Or just see my mistake here. If you live at your means or above. Lexi, can you change that real quick? <laughs> then you can't do this because you're already overextended, right? You cannot actually deal with a financial crisis. Number two, you cannot jump on an opportunity. And a big financial strategy we ought to have is building margins so that we have an opportunity, like a sale of cars or a really good deal on a home or, or anything, you're ready to jump because you built this margin. And that's what we were doing over in that other bill. We were just building this margin. We were building this, this nest egg or whatever you want to call it so that when this building came open, we had already bought property on Lions Club Drive. We were thinking about building, but then this came available and we started seriously considering this and, and we got into this with pennies compared to what it would have been and I don't think we've missed a step. I think we've grown. I, I know we've grown. I've watched the numbers. And I know that we've doubled and all. We're getting closer to tripling in, from what we were over in the other place. And there's no telling where we're headed. The possibilities. 
But it took 26 years of being conservative, of being wise with our funds, and we continue to do that. We still don't do what we don't have money for. And in this, there's been a couple times where we've had to take steps of faith, but not overextending ourselves, but steps of faith. Here's an example. Right now, we've renovated this entire complex until we got all the way down to the kitchen downstairs. And we got down there, we budgeted with our lead team what we were going to do and put towards that kitchen. My goal was to have that done by the Whitetail Outreach because we're going to be serving food and we'd like to have that all ready to go. And so we budgeted, I think, $5,000 for that renovation down there. That would get us started. And my main man, Carl, says, I don't think that's the way that we need to do it. And the way that we're going to do it is about twice as much as what we had planned. And so I said, oh, great. So he wants to take out a wall. He wants to build out another wall. He wants to flip all this and lock it up and keep it insecure. It's a better way of doing it. But my mind is thinking, okay, how's the dollars going to work out? So we took a step. And we said, let's just do this, and we'll get as far as we have budgeted. And then you guys, in your generosity, have given more, because now we'll be able to do the complete plan. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So step, and in your own steps, think your steps of faith. What is your next step? Is it to talk? Is it to give? Is it to be generous? Is it to save? Is it to build an emergency fund? I, I don't like the emergency fund because when I create emergency funds, there it goes. All my money to emergencies. So I call it God account. God only knows. God only knows what's going to come. And I've got this fund so that when something breaks, I've got the money. I, I, don't, I don't have to worry. I live a lot of years with worry. That's not a good way to live. Is it? Trust Master God, not Master God. 
nobody can say yes to every pleasure. And that's where the rich and famous, if they're not grounded, and the money and the fame comes, you'll see that over and over just take them down. And it's just heartbreaking to see that. Proverbs 21, 17. Do I have that point? Yes, thank you. Those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. What's the next one say? Proverbs 21, 20 says, The wise store up choice food in olive oil, but fools spend whatever they get. So there's wisdom for us. It's, it's just packed in Proverbs. Read the Proverbs a day and you'll become wiser every day. Um, there's just got to be a time when we say, It's enough. Say no or not yet, those kinds of things. Proverbs 12, verse 9 says, Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. <laughs> There's a lot of pretenders. Let's not be that. Proverbs 22, verse 7, just says, The rich rule of course, so the borrower is servant to the lender. So I'm asking this a lot is debt wrong? Um, I don't think it's a question of right and wrong so much. Now, now overextending yourself into debt, that is definitely something that is a mistake. But the question really should be, is there a better way? And I, I, I can vouch for it. There is a better way. Remember this website, DaveRamsey.com. And jot that down. Go there as often as you think of it. Maybe a regular practice. Read. He's got tons of free stuff. It will help. It will convince you. I listen to him on the radio. I go to his website. I, there's so much that I would like to do and buy and all that kind of thing. And I listen to him. I don't do that. I don't do that. Or I build more savings for it. But here's some quotes from Dave Ramsey. Just a couple of quick ones. He says this is about debt. Some people underestimate. The pile of debt because their pile of debt because they think it is good debt and that good debt doesn't really count against them. But here's the deal: there's no such thing as good debt. So what is debt? No matter how people try to sugarcoat it, anytime you owe money to anybody, that's debt. And our culture may say certain types of borrowing <coughs> doesn't count as real debt, but that's just not true. And here's what I wanted to get to. This is so important. If you put up the next. It takes a lot of will, discipline, and courage, and health to slay that debt monster. But it can be done. I'm looking for proof it can be done. I mean, we did. Here's, here's a couple things that you can do. You, you say, well, well, I'm grounded in debt right now. Well, I don't want to leave you hanging. There's a couple things that you can do to get out of debt. And it will take some time. It will take all of this. It will take will. It will take discipline. It will take saying no's and keeping yourself from overextending yourself. And it will take some help. But you can't slay this debt monster. And the first thing is this. Jot this down. If the boat is sinking, you've got to plug the hole. Stop spending everything you get. Wisdom says, don't do that. Don't spend everything you get. So have a plan on those credit cards. Dave Ramsey's adamant to cut them up. I don't cut, I use my credit card. But there's scientific proof, there's been a lot of study on this, that you will spend a certain percentage more if you just by having credit card. So have a plan. Hide it from yourself. Just do what you you gotta figure out what to do, but know that you got to stop the spending. And the second part of this is the snowball principle, which he promotes heavily. I thoroughly adore this. And it's so important. You take your little debts first and you pay them off. Don't try to hit the big one because psychologically they know that it doesn't work to pay the big debt first off or off first. It takes taking those little debts and you pay that off. And then you take, you don't go, now you got, you freed up a little bit of money that was going to that first little debt. You got that now. That money that was paid off and what people do often, oh, I got that, and they go spend it. Don't do that. Take that and put it toward the next debt, the next bigger debt. 
and you got this snowball principle, you're changing, you're changing the way that you think, you're changing your behavior, and pretty soon you're paying off huge debts, and you can start tackling those bigger ones as they come, and they go like fast. You'd be amazed once you start doing this, what happens. You'll pay those small debts off first, then you'll pay the bigger debts off pretty soon. You're saving an emergency fund, GOC account, God only knows, for those surprises, so they don't surprise you so much. They're going to surprise you, but you're prepared for them. And then pretty soon you'll have that day where my wife and I had that day a few years ago, and we were debt free. Wow. Give God the honor because He enabled us. He enabled us to do that. And we didn't. You can. Our books are open here. You can look at the finances of the church. You can see what we get paid. It's not a whole. I mean, I'm thankful, but we're not millionaires. But we got debt free. And you know that home that I always wanted to upgrade to a bigger one. All the kids moved out, and I'm pretty happy with it. It's just amazing what we can do when we get God involved in our finances. Remember, tithing is, is one of those important things. Time is never long enough for this, but um, let's just go let's go let's go full circle here and go and go right back to tithing. I'd like to hear instead of just hearing it from me, hear it from these testimonies from these these guys on this. Video. Would you run that video? Instance. 
And God says, you can test me in this one thing. If you tithe, I will show my faithfulness back to you. So I'd say to someone who's thinking about it, God actually says, test me on this. And he never says it for anything else. If anyone's on the fence about tithing, you know, I would say, you know, if you're not on the fence about whether I'm going to be a follower of Christ, then you should be on the fence about tithing. Black and white issue. I would say, well, first of all, if you're thinking about it, there's a reason why you're thinking about it. Maybe you think you should do it, but there's something else holding you back. And the question is, what is that thing? And then second of all, I would say, try it. Allow God to do the work of miracle in your life. Um, since we've been tithing regularly, we haven't had really any serious financial worries at all. And you would think it would be the converse because you're, you're actually giving. But the more we give, the more we receive. So I would just say try it out. Allow God, allow others to, to be the American in life. I've got a bow, it's a crossbow. 
It's called a mission because all the proceeds from the sale of this bow goes to missions. That's why it's called a mission. It's a mission crossbow. It retails for over $1,000. and we going to give it to you free to give away in your drawing. Well, I said, Randy, we were already planning. We had already budgeted that we were going to give a certain amount for a bow. Because you said you were going to give us a discount, right? I said, I'll still do that. He said, I'll give you another bow. Um, and it's a regular bow. And it's also retails that crossbow fully loaded all the accessories. This other bow is not, and it, with not being fully loaded with all the accessories, retails for over $1,000. He gave it to us for $400. Mm -hmm. There's two bows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're so excited about what we're doing. We'll probably purchase a, a gun or two that we can give away, 22 for a kid, and we're still looking at those kinds of things. And there's going to be a lot of other things in the drawings. It's going to be a really great opportunity for for a person to be reached who likes the outdoors, family. So you hear my heart on this, this is really different, uh, but this is the direction that I feel like God is leading us to reach out to people that wouldn't under, nor, uh, 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 under any other conditions go to a church. But it could be a great step in their spiritual journey that they meet, get to meet us weird people <laughs> and find out that we're not so crazy after all. And there's just something about generosity. This is all about being generous to these people. And I've got Jimmy singing a, really one of my favorite country music songs, not officially, I love it every day. Yeah. So we won't have worship, but we'll have a little bit of music. We'll have good food, we'll have barbecue. We'll have events for kids from 4 o'clock to about 5 30 to eat, and Randy's going to share about his adventures all over the world, honey. 